I think one of my favorite things that I've seen, we were talking before the show started, was the virtue signaling on social media. <laughs> like Brian says how like folks are uh, like, you know, oh, you know, the cost of freedom. I've been hearing the price of my freedom and it's increased every single year and I have less of it. But now paying $25 a gallon for gasoline is now the cost of my freedom because I'm, quote, sticking it to Vladimir Putin. <laughs> I, I, lo I love this game. It's so much fun. You lose money. You lose liberty. <laughs> we could all die in a thermonuclear holocaust. I mean, how is this not a good time? I'm having a great time. Are you having a great time? Yeah, it's Pro awesome. Probably. Is yeah. this what the 80s felt like? Or like the late 70s, early 80s? Like, um, you know, I, like I wasn't alive in the 70s, but I can tell you <laughs> like in the 80s. Again, I was a child and most of the people that are my age were children. The threat of nuclear war was like it was there, but it wasn't there. You know what I mean? It was like, there like you knew it could happen, but it was unlikely. You just kind of ignore it or block it out or what? Like, well, I freaked out about it like when I was a kid because we learned about like, you know, what what megatons mean you know you learn what like how the damage the radius and all that other stuff i, I figured this out like when i was like seven and a half or eight jesus I got, I got terrified well i mean because i've always been a history nut so like oh, yeah. i always wanted to learn about this stuff and then like at the post office in the town that i live in there was a fallout shelter and from what i understand they're putting the sign back up fucking <laughs> 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 the basement in my middle school actually uh because that was like the locker room for gym class and shit was down there and it had like it was like an old ass fucking sign mm -hmm. and it said yeah like fallout shelter and i was like what like what the fuck and then yeah. uh the base that i worked at when i was in the marines it was like yeah it was the whole thing was like dug into a hillside and it was like all fucking concrete and it was yeah like the lower half of that was a fallout shelter and it's like i never realized how much shit in ohio specifically is like i mean we got dayton like right pat we've got i guess like a decent amount of fucking underground shit like ah somebody showed me a map and it was just like fucking chicken pox all over with like all the nuclear shit and all that and it's just like i you're wow. also, you're also talking know. about a state that produces a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, all that corn, baby. Yeah, I mean, uh, but corn and everything, man. Your soda pop and everything. If you get the full sugar shit, so. But yeah, it's an important. The the, the state is important. It's the there's state. a lot of railroads. There's a lot That's of highways. Right. There's a lot. <laughs> the, um, the seventh most populous state in this ridiculous union. So really. Yeah, that there's, oh. there's there's a lot going on here. There's there's a lot going on here. Um, you know, I California will get nuked off the map. And, <laughs> you know, no, we love you. We love the listeners of California, but we've been uh, telling you for two years that you should probably fuck off and go someplace else. But whatever. Yeah, um, they ran out of U-Hauls, man. They were listening. Yeah, probably the wrong. They're they're exporting their bad <laughs> ideas to their. To, to their neighbors and you know poor people in arizona and nevada in nevada Colorado. dude if you live in, in vegas like you are like you are like triple dog fucked in the ass with your pants on like that place is going up like a tinderbox man because all that federal like all of the research that gets done there you know with the with the ufos and area 51 and all that other shit you know that that's on somebody's map now Sar uh, Sar sergeant first class big business has told me as I told the group that 
are the missile defense shield system is very good and the russian communists or fascists now i guess they've switched the party switched the party switched uh the germans are no are now the commies and the russians are the fascists it's eurasia we are always at war with eurasia east asia is cool That's like right. forget fucking everything we're gonna forget most of the pandemic and it's a good thing i saw the newspaper headline. can you imagine like, that <laughs> what a time to be alive to see things transpiring I, you know it's it's amazing uh, but um yeah man like it's it's not good but like i was when i was a kid i was afraid of this and i'll never forget like you know my my parents of course lived through the uh the cuban missile crisis when it was like really really dangerous yeah shit was hot and as much as khrushchev now mind you khrushchev get the pass because he did the secret speech and he denounced stalin and began the process of de-stalinizing uh the com the the commie block the warsaw pact all the eastern european countries including uh, uh, the Soviet Union getting rid of, you know, Stalin and denouncing him for the mass murdering fuckhead that he was. However, it has to be noted that Khrushchev also was a part of that apparatus up until Stalin's death. Um, he was OK with it because, you know, if he wasn't, he would have been on the list anyway. No one was applying heat to him, like no pressure, no. Like... Yeah, there was. Yeah, they. they Trust me, you know, and like I'm saying, like, but he was reasonable enough to know that a nuclear a nuclear holocaust between the two superpowers was bad in the interest of Soviet people as well as the rest of the fucking world, because it's not just the two assholes who were going at it. We're talking about billions of people's lives being impacted right now. The president of the United States has dementia and the guy who's in charge of the Russian Federation Okay, first of all, I know we're going to have to talk about the 605-pound elephant that, gorilla that's sitting next to me here in the used guy's studio. Because um, 605 pounds in elephant weight is not a lot. It's probably a baby, so that wouldn't be impressive. But, you know, the 1,400-pound silverback gorilla that's sitting over there looking at us is, is this. The problem that's going on in, in, in Ukraine and Russia is this guy is getting his ass kicked like even even if you like you can't count official ukrainian numbers because the propaganda game is naturally going to inflate the numbers of yeah of the, it's like vietnam with the fucking search and destroy death counts and shit sure so this is what um this is what i'm going to take a look at right now it's from the kiev independent right so the kiev independent is the newspaper or Kiev, whatever we're calling it. I don't mean any disrespect, but like I've, it's Chicken Kiev. Now it's Chicken Kiev, but whatever. That's fine. I, I would love to visit there someday if it's not a smoldering pile of rubble, which it probably will be because it looks beautiful. In fact, I've, like I said on the show before, I would have loved to have visited St. Petersburg. Truly, I really would have. That would have been an awesome, awesome trip. I would have loved to. Fucking traitor. I, I guess so. I should be shot. Like, you know, I disappoint everybody anyway. <laughs> so according to the latest numbers from the uh, the armed forces of Ukraine, as of March 10th, the Russians have lost around 12,000 troops. Seems a little high. 49 planes, 81 helicopters, 335 tanks, 123 artillery pieces, 1,105 armor personnel carriers, 56 uh, MLRs, two boats, 526 regular vehicles, 60 fuel tanks, 
seven unmanned aerial vehicles, and 29 anti-aircraft warfare devices. Mind you, they're doing all of this with javelins and N-laws supplied by the United Kingdom and NATO and the United States without really an air force or like they this the russians have not apparently not updated their military since the soviet union like i was talking the other day to sergeant first class big business and i told him i said listen i'm not a military guy not i read about it but i'm not but i'm a logistics guy okay that's kind of what i did for the majority of my life um, I actually got a certification to be a technician in logistics and all this other stuff, right? How do you run out of fuel and food in the first four days? I know how, because you didn't think it would go four days. It's kind of like the Germans not packing a parka in 1941. We'll be in Moscow by Christmas, they said. Well, they thought they'd be having chicken Kiev in Kiev last uh, Sunday. I remember Drudge Report had it. It was like Kiev to fall by Sunday. It's day 15, and that hasn't happened yet. And I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon unless the Ukrainians evacuate the city to save it. You know what I mean? Kind of get out of the way and let them have it. as a, Kind of like what they did with that nuclear power plant that they were literally shooting at each other over. Great ideas. I mean, just wonderful ideas. I mean, what could go wrong? You know, I mean, there's another nuclear power plant that didn't fare so well in Ukraine, um, <laughs> courtesy of the Soviet Union. Why not do it again? Let's see what happens. Maybe we learn something. Probably not. But this man has backed himself into a corner, ladies and gentlemen. Why? This is a man who has to save face somehow. Can you tell me how he's going to save face? He can't. There is no saving face. His army, his air force, the, they are fucking getting shit pumped by the Ukrainians. That's why you're seeing the cluster bombs come out. That's why you see the attacks on hospitals, the indiscriminate shelling of cities. Why? Yeah, it's all war crime territory now anyway. So it's like there's really no going back. Like there, no. it's full commit. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, they can't try if they can't catch you. So, I mean, he's not going to – it's not like he's going to fly to The Hague and be like, listen, I'm going to stand and face my accusers and prove to you I did not commit war crimes. That's not how this works. He's never going to leave the country. Like, he's never going to go to Western Europe. He probably won't ever go to the U.N. ever again. Like, he'll probably visit, like, China and Kazakhstan, um, and probably that's about it. Like, he'll have to, have, you know, take in – you know, um, holidays on the Sea of Azov or whatever the fuck it is. Um, bad news. That means that this is going to carry on because you can't sign a peace treaty because he's not in a position. He's in a position of, on strength of strength on paper because his army is occupying foreign soil, but it's getting decimated. Like, I mean, like, like popular front on Instagram, you guys, you got to follow it. You have to follow it because they have really excellent content from really brave people who are filming this stuff on the ground. And you are going to see some unfortunate stuff like there's film of um, fire firefighters and rescuers uh, finding a, a, a young girl that got buried under rubble and died during a, a shelling in uh, Kharkiv. You're going to see nasty things. You're going to see people trying to evacuate the city and get shelled. You'll, you'll see that. It's not good. And again, yeah. I circle back to this conversation. This is a very big hot button issue that the Azov Brigade, 
which is a Nazi group, um, is the reason why we should support Russia. Well, I'm not supporting anybody except for the person defending their home. That's who I support. I don't care what color their flag is. And, you know, that uh, that applies to anywhere in the world, including here in Ohio or in uh, Afghanistan. Like, I understand. Like, you fight for, for home and family. I That's – I get it. I understand it. And I, I think that uh, we should stay the fuck out of it. I don't – I don't. I mean, the the plus side of getting nuked is – the mortgage, the utility bill, the student loans, which, by the way, I have here's the here's the thing. So I think that whoever they're going to have to cancel it because he's punt. He's punt, like we're supposed to pay on them, I think, in, in May. They're already I got a notification on my phone today for a news article. It was like, here's some like subtext as to why we might not start that back up in May. It's like it's I, on the I don't think it's happening anymore. Like it's. Oh. Nobody's going to have the fucking money. Anyway, like you can't pay for gas and everybody's like virtue signaling. They're like, oh, like it's a small price to pay. Like there's people getting shelled in Russia and everything. And it's like, okay, but gas is just the first thing that's going to go. Like everything that depends on trucking, on trains, on airplanes to get to wherever the fuck it needs to go to all that. It's going to start increasing. And it's like, then people are, I don't know, they're probably going to do the wage thing again, where it's like, this is why we need to raise the minimum wage. And then it's going to, it's, I don't know, but I don't see anywhere where people, even if they were like, Hey, you have to start paying for all this shit. Like a bunch of people aren't going to be able to come up with the money. It's just not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. And it, it, nobody's going to be able to pay you. You're absolutely right. It's just not going to, when you're, and it's like, come on. who, cause like, I, I've, I've seen it a bunch of times where people are like, Oh, like, yeah. Nobody wants to give out business loans to people that have like shit credit, but it's like, here's a great idea. Let's give a bunch of money to like 17 and 18 year olds, like, so they can go dick off, go to fucking school and do, they don't even know what they want to do with their lives yet. Like, sure. We'll give them all the fucking money. We'll keep pumping money into this. Uh, the more the merrier, like tuition prices go way up. And yeah. it's just like, what I want to know, like what the long term, like what the forecast forecast was, what they were really expecting, because it's like, yeah, like, you would love to see people follow through, but it's like you had to have a contingency where it's like, okay, what happens when they don't or just straight up can't pay for this shit? Yeah, it's 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 a fair question, and only time will tell. Um, but anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. I know that was kind of we got excited here, and uh, <laughs> we're glad that you're here. And I'd like to say hi, of course, to our patrons: Jason, Valerie, Lexi, Elliot, and Amy. Amy, Lexi, and Elliot. Uh, I, I'd like to say hi specifically because you guys have been giving us feedback on stuff, uh, you know, with uh, the extra episodes or like, you know, listening to the older ones. Like we did a tribute for International Women's Day two years ago to Revolutionary Women. I posted it on the Facebook page. That's where we're going to be at where our most active, you know, like Twitter. I can't seem to get out of it, but I don't participate as much, nor does the show page. We tweet out our stuff. So that way, those people who follow us on there. Um, they can they they know unless they you know they haven't signed up or what have you but um, for whatever reason Facebook has been a little bit more active for the page so if you're not signed up on there I would suggest getting over there and doing that and then of course the Patreon uh, which we had more content put up there recently we did see monsters is very exciting um, we all agree that we don't like the ocean and the depths it's very scary terrifying uh, very scary uh, the giant squid you know fuck them squids not a fan. Um, but uh, there's some good stuff on there, and we'll continue to add to it. So if you if you feel that uh, we've earned it, 
please feel free to contribute and uh, help us break even with the cost with like Zoom and Podbean and shit. So we're very grateful for that. Um, thank you uh, for Elliot and I had a great conversation. Appreciate you, pal. It was a really good discussion. Um, I'm sad to hear that uh, there are certain former libertarians and, and uh, black flag waving anarchists who are no longer uh, like, you know, friends of the community or blame this or blame the Enlightenment or whatever. I, I personally don't like I can't listen to that shit anymore. Um, and I wish them well. I mean, that's fine. They're doing the same thing that we're doing, which is talking about current events. And, you know, if they see things differently, that's fine. I wish them nothing but the best. They're far more successful than this show is anyway. So, I mean. I can guess I can go fuck myself, which I will, um, and I don't care. So, again, thanks to the patrons. So, I um, you remember in uh, 2020, I know it's a long time ago, a lot of things have happened between the murder of George Floyd and uh, the threat of thermonuclear holocaust. A lot of things have happened in between um, what happened over Memorial Day weekend here or in Minnesota and um right now with uh, glorious comrade biden in the dementia and you know vladimir putin and all this other stuff but this is great remember when the democrats were telling people that they really needed to start considering defunding the police and there were members of the progressive caucus who had talked about it well that's not what's going to happen and just like i there was a blog article that we wrote that said, I bring you more of the same, as Kilgore Trout said when he got to Middle East <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, in Breakfast of Champions by Kurt Vonnegut, which is my favorite Kurt Vonnegut novel and probably the closest thing to a Bible that I have. Um, I bring you more of the same. And Joe Biden, like Kilgore Trout, brings you more of the same. So this is from Politico. This is, we're going to enjoy this one. Biden draws bipartisan applause for calls to, quote, fund, not there's no D.E. in front of fund, just fund the police. President Joe Biden on Tuesday drew bipartisan applause, including from House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, for his calls to fund the police in his State of the Union address. We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police. We've always been at war with East Asia. Uh, Biden said to strong applause with cameras showing McCarthy and House Minority Whip Steve Scalise clapping and giving him a standing ovation. Fund them, fund them, fund them with resources and training. Biden touted funding fund the American Rescue Plan, the pandemic <laughs> relief package passed under his watch that local governments can use to bolster police forces. Biden's push against defunding the police echoes the recent stance of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who last month said that the slogan is dead and not the Democrats' position. <laughs> well, it never was. It never was, but see, they had to get in, and now they're in. They're like, oh, I don't need, the, I don't right. want to play with you anymore. That's right. <laughs> That's right. See, we won. We got what we wanted. You bought they're gonna, it. They're gonna do it again in the fucking midterms. It's like. Uh... Yeah, and then they're, they're going to try to save face, and maybe enough people will be like, "Ah, oh, like I, I still remember two years ago." And then we're gonna, we're gonna vote red, and like all the same shit's still somehow gonna fucking happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, then they're gonna bring the coof back because that'll be there'll be another <laughs> dangerous variant that's climbing the walls and infecting your ass. Which you should use Todd's gay soap because it'll get rid of it anyway. And by the way, he is working on new stuff. I have it in a text message. He is working on. Uh, various flavors so those, anyway. are, those are binding yes yes 
Biden has long rejected the concept of defunding police. This is the author of the 1994 crime bill, by the way. Of course, he's going to reject it. A push from some progressive Democrats that Republicans have used frequently to attack the opposing party. The police reform movement gained momentum after George Floyd's murder in 2020, but reform efforts have stalled in Congress. Oops. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. On Tuesday, Biden called on lawmakers to pass legislation requiring universal background checks and banning assault weapons. Frequent calls from the president that face long odds of passing. Yes, when in doubt, the best part about this is it's not even like a a cool move. He knows that that's just he's just talking to the uh, rabid uh, liberal base, even though even his members of his party know, bro, that's they're never going to pass it. It's no. It, takes, it eats up time. People talk about it like all everybody freaks out about it the same way they've always freaked out about it, because just like this is the most important election of all time. This is the time that they're going to do it, man. This is the time that it's most dangerous. Like this is like it's that in Roe v. Wade. They're going to overturn it. They're going to overturn it. Yeah. They're going to overturn it. Like I've been hearing it my entire fucking life. I believed it for most of it because I didn't know any better. Sometimes there's part of me that's like, ooh, we want to believe it because it's like, no, like you got to fucking unlearn that shit. But yeah, you do have to unlearn it. It's fucking difficult. It is difficult. Uh, Biden's remarks come after Democrats own research recently showed that some voters in battleground districts think that the party is preachy and focused on culture wars. Politico previously reported the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee warned that unless Democrats more vocally rebutted Republicans' attacks on issues like defunding the police, they could lose substantial ground to the GOP in the upcoming uh, midterm elections. So there you go. There's the motivation. It's not about principle. It's about making sure that we retain our position of power. That's fine. Nancy Pelosi's not going to retire. They're going to find her corpse sitting in the chair in Congress. Like, she'll be absent from voting, and then, like, weeks later, they'll just there'll be a smell in the hallway, and they'll be like, oh, oh she finally died and they won't even need to embalm her because she's she's drunk so she's already pickled and preserved some sunglasses on her man she can still work ready for the box baby they're doing the same shit with the queen right now too she's got to be dead right they're like oh we're just gonna pull her out of the public eye for a few months for whatever the fuck like she's got to be dead that's a good question because that she's no longer living at a buckingham palace she's She's no longer living (laughs) (laughs) what do you think angel what with the queen yeah do you think that she's alive um she's probably alive and really 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 sick she's probably on her last leg um i mean i don't know i i i don't follow the queen so i'm not really sure that i didn't know she wasn't in public anymore um there was like i mean i don't know if she's made appearances but there are a bunch of headlines that are like yeah the queen's coming out of circuit like she's a fucking vehicle getting pulled in for maintenance or some shit like you were you're not going to see much of the queen for the next few months like dude she's old as shit yeah no that's like so rachel was telling me she's like i'm putting all my money on by like mid-april she's dead but like that i guess if she makes it to mid-april she's like the longest living ruler of like england of all time or some shit so they're like yeah we gotta we gotta make the record and then fuck it she's dead move on like who cares she's gonna beat victoria i think victoria's got the the record do we need to sell squares for the queen death pool? I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. Like, I mean, yeah, I don't, I like, I guess I'd have to look at what day it is that would actually put her over the line, but <laughs> yeah. sure. I mean, why not? I mean, I'll gamble on the weather. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Um, yeah, our money's going to be worthless soon anyway. Fuck it. Yeah. And it could all be ashes in an afternoon either way. Um, <laughs> who cares? Enjoy Arby's. 
continue um, to enjoy our success. Well, now, she just met with uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Um, oh, he just had COVID. They're going to kill her. <laughs> well, she just got over COVID, I think, too. Did she? Oh, shit. Or no, did he just get over COVID? I don't know. Hold on. Well, that was why he couldn't do shit about the truckers, right? He was like, oh, I got COVID. I'm going to go hide. Like He ran away. Yeah, she tested positive for COVID. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, fuck. So let me. Uh, so we have listeners in two countries that the queen is the head of state, is the sovereign. That's Canada and uh, the United Kingdom. We got listeners there. If you wouldn't mind telling us, I've asked this repeatedly for people. To, I really want to know what your opinion is. Do you care about the monarchy? Do you, I mean, because essentially both of your countries are, are pretty much like the United States. Right? It's more of a Republican form of government. You know what I mean? More or less. I mean, granted, it's a parliamentary constitutional monarchy in both countries. I understand that. But, you know, the, the queen usually doesn't have a political role. Like, she doesn't really take sides. Like, she doesn't, you know, have an opinion. She's just ornamental. She's the queen. That's the, she waves and she has the, the, the nice red jacket when she does the trooping of the color or whatever. And again, I'm just curious how you folks north of the border and the folks in uh, the United Kingdom, our uh, our English and well, British cousins over there, how you feel about that. I just I'm curious because you see polls that the monarchy retains a favorable rating, which, again, no judgment here. I mean, people still show up and vote for men with dementia or, or egotistical liars and maniacs. Either way, war criminals all the same. Doesn't matter. So none of us are winning that one. I'm just curious how people feel. Um, so moving on now on this show. You guys know that not we're talking about anarcho-communists, but actual communists that I that's like I, I, I hate it about as much as I hate uncontrollable, spontaneous diarrhea. Like not a fan, not a fan at all. I, commu diarrhea. Communism is like or not communism. my thing. Yeah, Marxism is not my thing. But even a broken clock is right twice a day, ladies and gentlemen. This is from the Communist Party of the USA. This is when you know things are fucked up. Is that I agree with the Communist Party position. This is from the official national board of the Communist Party. Why don't they have the cool names? Like, where is the Central Committee of the Communist Party? That's where you get the... <laughs> like, this is from the national board. Guys, don't be bitches, okay? Come on. It's from the Central Committee. The following statement was issued by the National Board of the Communist Party of the USA. The CPUSA calls on the U.S. people to demand that Biden the, demand the Biden administration change course immediately. War is never an acceptable solution and must be rejected in the strongest terms. Therefore, we also call on Russia to withdraw troops. The Communist Party is calling on Russia to withdraw troops. All sanctions must be ended and borders secured and respected. Now, all of a sudden, they're for border security. This is wild shit. The saber-rattling sanctions and selling of wolf tickets in recent weeks, as the CPUSA National Committee meeting recently warned, has spilled over into open war. Russia's invasion of Ukraine threatens catastrophic consequences. There is no doubt that the long-standing attempt by U.S. imperialism and NATO to bring Ukraine into the military alliance has heightened tensions. They're not wrong. In, recent, in the recent period, this effort, along with providing military supplies combined with Cold War rhetoric, is a backdrop to the crisis. A lasting peace is not possible unless Ukraine remains outside of NATO. Russia's ruling circles have their own national designs and the outbreak of the war will only make matters worse. The present crisis has been long in the making. 
The historical context reached back to the end of World War II, the Cold War, and the formation of NATO. However, the, the issue roiling today's strife is the fact that the presence of NATO in U.S. military bases, military forces, and missile systems puts Russia's western border under continual threat. Over the past decade or so, Lithuania, Poland, Latvia, Romania, and Estonia have provided homes to these formations, maintaining a constant war footing. This is in complete violation of agreements that may, were made at the end of the Cold War that NATO would not expand eastward. Yeah, how did they get past that? Like, what was the, because that was under Clinton and George W. Bush, right? They just said, fuck it, or what? Yeah, they were like, no, we won't go any further east. We, you know, but then they keep going and nobody holds them accountable. So, like, how does that work? How do we not get like that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, you know, and I, and I know in like 2014, we overthrew their government. And it's like, I remember sitting in lunch uh, in high school, there was like news on in the cafeteria and it was like Russian separatists fighting. And I have, I, Honestly, I wish I would have paid more attention. Like, had I known it was going to, like, come around in eight more yeah. years, and it would be, like, everybody's fucking talking about it, but you never know. But it's, like, how, no, so don't. how did all this shit just stay on the back burner for so long? I'm guessing, like, media management by, like, companies and stuff. But, like, yeah, I didn't know of all of the coups that we were behind that one, and then it's kind of not helping things. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think that if we looked at it from, I mean, again, we have to put our political scientist hats on real quick. So we're going to put that on. It's on now. Do you blame the Baltic states for joining NATO? I don't. I don't. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't know enough about the region, but I know it's not easy living next to Russia. Well, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia have been like the crossroads. And of course, Poland have been the crossroads for invading armies for a very long time. And most recently, being satellite states, specifically Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, being part of the Soviet Union under duress, along with Ukraine under duress, I don't blame them for wanting somebody else to like, like, hey, can you know, you're, you're the big kid at the lunch table. Could you please make sure they don't beat us up anymore? And the United States, who's meanwhile collecting, like, we're like, well, you know, for your lunch money, I can do that. You know, that's not a problem. And because the U.S. has its own interests, the, the, the fucking military industrial complex needs an enemy. Howard Bloom's book, which is part of the used guys library, it's right over there. There's a chat. It's called the Lucifer Principle. It's a scientific guide into and scientific guide into the forces of history. He talks about one of the t- chapters called uh, enemies build the walls of our society. Well, you need those enemies to justify the amount of spending those bombs are not going to pay for themselves unless you know we make more of them because they're being used in the field that's like yeah single-use items man they go through resources real fast and here's the thing does anybody find the timing funny that all of a sudden we leave the party not we as in us but the u.s government leaves the party immediately in afghanistan and just a couple of months later stuff kicks off i did think it would take longer and I'll, like i have no faith in the system at all but i honestly thought it would be like a couple of years before something happened yeah well it's here so <laughs> I mean, pretty much it <laughs> oh fuck yeah so yeah that's that's the exciting bit so like i get where they're coming from i get why poland and in and these countries, I get why little Georgia, that's not the one in the southern United States, but in the Caucasus, I get why these countries are like, can we please be part of your club? We're tired of getting beat up by this asshole that lives next to us. Maybe you come help us. 
And here's the thing. We talked about it on the on the um, the Patreon where Pat Buchanan, who him and I don't agree anymore and haven't for some long for some time, you know, being the paleo conservative that he is. He did say in his book, Death of the West in 1999, that these eastern encroachments will lead to some sort of problem between two thermonuclear powers. And he said, you know, either we're going to have nuclear war or you're, the NATO's not going to be able to fulfill its military obligations, you know, via the treaty, and then the organization is going to collapse. But there's a lot of lives that can be lost in between either way. So not a, not a good situation. Um, and of course, you know, like I said, I, I'll never get over saying that it's like the, the sibling and the finger in the face. Like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. You get as close as you can without touching them. And you wait for somebody, to, you're, the person who's, you know, being pointed at to react and be like, oh, see, I wasn't touching them. And I guarantee that's probably what this stupid government is doing. Like, let's give them a reason. Let's get, you know, it's a chess game. Let's give them a reason. When they move that piece, we move our piece. Now you've escalated. We've only responded. Now you have to escalate further. So, like I said, I, I get where they're coming from, but at the same time, it's <sighs> the people who are going to pay for this are the average people, as usual. You know, the working people, the the regular Joes, the regular Janes, or whatever the fuck it is that you are. Uh, that, that's who pays for this. I mean, just like the other day, like I, I put. Sanctions are good, though. What are you talking about? Listen, <laughs> to Brian's point, this is what set me off. Is I had a coworker, former coworker, post on there the virtue signaling about paying more for stuff as patriotic. And when Pete Buttigieg or whatever the fuck, however the CIA guy says that um, <laughs> you could buy an electric car, there, there could be no further divide between the rich and the poor than a man literally pontificating about buying an electric car to people who if they could afford one might purchase one but they can't because their purchasing power is shit okay and they don't make that's, enough money that's why you gotta buy the car now before it gets worse you understand like it's only getting tomorrow's gonna be too late you gotta do it today well i will consider buying a tesla um if the world hasn't been nuked by may i'll, I'll consider it i'll consider it I will, but it's got to have a good charge because I like to go places. So, you know, we'll see. And I can't get the Boogaloo uh, thing that they have, the the truck, the one that the Boog, the Boog, uh, the official Boog truck, the one that Tesla makes. The cyber truck? Yeah, I can't afford that. That's not in the used guy's budget. So that's not happening. I have to get a regular oh, Tesla. And that's like, I uh, somebody in my family has a Tesla. And back when, I can't remember what hurricane it was, but when people were trying to evacuate, they literally like updated some software and extended the range that those things could drive like with keystrokes, they added range. So I don't know how the fuck they do it. So it's like, Oh, like if you're trying to have the boog in your electric fucking truck and somebody doesn't agree with what you're doing, if they can add range to it, I would imagine they could probably take it away or just turn it off completely. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, a lot, it's not a point that hasn't been made a bunch of times but it's like that they you want your digital money, you want your fucking electric car, you want computers and everything, and it's just like I don't. It's we we don't make Black Mirror anymore because we live in that fucking universe. Like it's too easy. It's the fucking Twilight Zone. Like yeah, it's pretty wild, isn't it? What do you think yeah. about all this over there, Angel? You're awfully quiet today. 
I don't know. Okay. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I uh, what else do we have here to talk about today? So one of my favorite. Um, somebody must have gotten a text message that was awfully loud. That was oh, sorry, sir. That's okay. It's sitting on my desk. I, will... I was doing research on the Queen of England, and apparently she's staying at the Windsor Castle now. So that I was reading. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Is she has she made? Does she like stand in a window to let everybody know she's okay or what? Like, um, well, I got her like wave in Home Alone style, like yeah, the fucking like, blinds well, pulled, and the shadows going and shit. Like probably like a puppet. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but that's an image. You know, she's uh, she says she'll still do stuff as she can. Um, but I'm pretty sure she's on her way out. I mean, if she's staying home, um, yeah. in Windsor Castle, so. Well, I don't know. Well, good for the queen. I mean, yeah, it's been a good run. Yeah, it's been a good run. So good, good for her. Whatever. Um, what? Yeah, I, I, her son is a rapist. What are you gonna do? <laughs> true. That yeah. is true. They had to settle that out of court. Prince Andrew, like he got like all of his shit like stripped, and the queen essentially had to pay off the lady that was raped. Um, for an undisclosed out-of-court settlement. So, Didn't Kobe Bryant do the same thing? Yeah, it's funny you should mention that. People forget about that. I remember when he... I will never forget when people when people were like, oh, he died. I was like, hey, like I didn't forget. Like, I mean, it's sad that his daughter was on the helicopter, oh, too. Like, that sucks. But like, he totally raped somebody. Yeah, he did. And then he had a press conference with his wife there. Like, I mean, she was, she was no dummy. She did was he like, really rape somebody? They settled it out of court. There were no charges. Like it was just a lot of money. So it's like you can't prove anything. But like he definitely had sex with somebody that wasn't his wife, and it's questionable if it was consensual. Okay. So yeah, that's as certain as it's gonna get. It's like JFK. Like fucking <laughs> the two are pretty equal, actually. If you think about it. I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> Between that, and <laughs> the fucking World War One will never happen. <laughs> um, so, uh. I did. I did my best to go to the left uh, with uh, some of this stuff because, you know, as you as you would expect, the the war hawks, you know, the the chicken hawks who are going to send your kids to go fight, but they themselves uh, would never go. Uh, this is an interesting article. You know how much I hate the Jacobin, which is a socialist magazine of ill repute. Um, it's it's a filthy rag. But again, today the clocks have been right twice that are broken. They're all synced up. Yeah. And um, they they hit this one on the head. And this is by Branko Marcetic. That's uh, a hell of a name. I think it's made up. His name's probably Frank Jones. <laughs> They're all made up. Come on. Yeah. Um, corporate interests are pushing the disastrous idea of a no-fly zone. So people who are pushing for a no-fly zone do not understand how no-fly zones work. It's, it isn't a magic dome where the Russians are like, oh, God damn it, we can't fly over there. It's over. No, a no-fly zone is what they had in Iraq for the longest time because people forget about the bombing of Iraq around the clock from the end of the Persian Gulf War all the way to the invasion of Iraq in, in 2003. People forget about the no-fly zone that existed there. That's something they don't they, they have a hard time with, okay? They don't remember. Things are happening so fast now. Like Joe Rogan being in trouble for the N-word was like two weeks ago, like two and a half, three weeks ago. 
that might as well have been in another universe. Like we've moved on. We're now on nuclear war now. Now we're here. <laughs> um, so, Catch up. Come on. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So this article says from the Jacobin, again, this will be in the show notes. So what, but... what technically is a no-fly zone? So like a commercial aircraft and any other, you know, private aircraft can't fly because they're going to be using it. It's essentially for military aircraft, meaning we, actor A, is telling actor B, listen, if you fly over here, we're going to shoot you down. We're not allowing anybody else to fly over here but us. Okay. okay? You're not allowed over here. You know, it'd be it's like essentially if your ball went over the fence at your neighbor's yard when you were a kid. Okay, mm -hmm. That's my ball now. Yeah. yeah but I, I, but you're going to shoot the ball. Yeah, like. but you're going to shoot the person <laughs> trying to collect the ball. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought it was, but I just wanted to clarify. Okay. Okay. So this week, 27 foreign policy experts. <laughs> I love this. Uh, called, all 27 of them called for a no-fly zone in ukraine that would lead to the shooting down of russian planes an idea that could lead to a nuclear holocaust slippery slope do not call it a nuclear <laughs> war. don't don't call it a nuclear war i want people like the word holocaust has power because we know what it's associated with specifically the, the jewish holocaust and the second world war I mean, we could call it a nuclear hold. The more behold, the more more has to do with hunger. That the word is about hunger, but Holocaust, a mass slaughter, a mass murder. That you know, nuclear Holocaust. It's the it's nuclear Armageddon. Nuclear. You're not going to be here ever, and there's all of this is going to end. Okay. Everybody, homework assignment: watch Doctor Strangelove, please. Like I just watched it three times last week or the week before, and it's like my new favorite and also most terrifying thing. What uh, what service did you watch it on? Uh, Amazon, I think. Amazon, okay. Yeah, so. it's it's like my new favorite movie. I can't believe it took me so long to watch it, but I watched it for the first time the day before Ukraine got invaded. That was kind of weird. The time. This is your fault. <laughs> I watched it and went to bed, and I was like, huh. And then woke up the next morning, and everybody was like, oh. Fuck. <laughs> like, How interesting. Shit. Yeah, very interesting. I don't know what to make of it, but it's like I had a nice little chuckle about it. Oh, I bet you did. So it says their message is being bankrolled by the arms manufacturer and fossil fuel interests. Crazy. In spite of its immense danger, the campaign of a no-fly zone in Ukraine seems to be gaining momentum, with 27 foreign policy luminaries signing a letter this week calling on the Joe Biden administration to set up a limited one over the country to protect the humanitarian corridors recently agreed to in the Russian-Ukraine talks. How is it limited, though? Like, if you're going to be shooting down planes, it's like it's either there or it's not. Like, I know it, maybe it's not over the whole country. They're doing, like, the corridors for evacuation and shit, but it's like, you know, like, I don't know. It, it I, seems like something that's pretty bold. Like, you might as well just go all the fucking way if you're going to do it at all. Not condoning this, but at the no, same no, no. time. I, like, I get what you're saying. Uh, the letter has been widely cited in the press, giving the disastrous idea more legitimacy. That's for people who believe the press has legitimacy, Jacobin, including yourselves. But you don't. What you won't be told about is the behind-the-scene role of weapon manufacturers, fossil fuels, and certain oligarchs in promoting these views. A no-fly zone is a deviously clever euphemism for war. They're right. Involving the shooting down of Russian planes and destruction of Russian air defenses. As soon as U.S. forces destroy a Russian aircraft, killing its pilot, it would turn Moscow's invasion from a regional war to something closer to the scale of a world war. 
can we pause? Mm -hmm. It's a euphemism. Euphemism. For war. I thought it 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 was war. Yeah. How is it a euphemism if it's it's a cleverly disguised phrase. In other words, we're not gonna say war, but we're having ourselves a fucking It's like war. what the Korean <laughs> the Korean conflict, like what yeah. are they because Vietnam wasn't a war, right? It was it was something else. At, at least originally, because they didn't want to declare war. They just wanted to send troops. So you had like Gulf of Tonkin and everything, but they were like, oh, we're just like sending them over there to like maintain stability. Yeah. It's like nobody likes declaring war anymore. The, the, war, like war on terror, like an, on an idea. But wait, <laughs> what people fail to realize is that the United States has not declared war since the Second World War. There's been no formal, there's been police action. Remember that? That's a great phrase. The police action in, in Iraq. I like this action. This this I am an action Jackson kind of guy yeah. anyway. <laughs> All right. Sorry to interrupt. Continue. Oh, you're fine. Uh, let's see here. Only this time invoking stockpiles of hundreds and thousands of nuclear weapons, which didn't exist when Adolf Hitler invaded Poland. What a bright observation by the right. <laughs> What a bright! Do you see what I'm saying with the Jacobin? It's that did not need to be written in this. I mean, hey, maybe people weren't making the connection, like they weren't also thinking about that. Like, oh, that is a pretty good point. Jacobin, like, Jacobin is the is the 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 publication of the Champagne Socialist. I firmly believe that their readers know that Hitler did not have nuclear weapons. Maybe they maybe they don't know. There's some faculty member at Northwestern University that's like smoking a pipe with Karl Marx in his one hand and reading this article. And they're like, yeah, could you imagine if Hitler did have them? Like, please, you know, do something with yourself that I can't say. I don't know. These people, um, like, it's just. Listen to this. So little Marco, as Mr. Trump used to call him, a war hawk like little Marco Rubio says as much in, in opposing the idea. So he's against it. Given this outcome, it's perhaps not surprising that numerous names on the letter are either financially intertwined with the defense in industry or work for organizations funded by it. Ian Brzezinski had a five-year stint as a principal in Bose Allen Hamilton, a Pentagon contractor for before going to lead the Brzezinski Group, described as a strategic advisory firm serving the U.S. international commercial clients in the financial, energy, and defense sectors. John Kornblum is a senior advisor at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, that's CSIS, whom we've talked about on the show previously, a think tank that counts Northrop Grumman as one of its two largest corporate donors, and that also receives donations from firms like General Atomics, Lockheed Martin, and Boeing. You know, the usual <laughs> subjects of our ire. Both Ben Hodges and Kurt Volker are part of Center for European Policy Analysis, a think tank that in 2021 counted defense systems firms BAE Systems, General Dynamics, General Atomics, and Lockheed Martin amongst its list of contributors. Volker is also, an, a, Volker is also the International Managing Director and Co-Chair for the Advisory Board to BGR Group, which, quote, represents major defense and aerospace companies, aerospace suppliers, government service providers, nonprofit organizations, and states and municipalities of interest in U.S. defense policy, end quote. So these think tanks, like, are they anything other than just giant money laundering machines? Like, what, what are they actually, what are they thinking of? What the fuck are they doing? Like, 
they're thinking of ways to get into war so they well, can yeah but like what was that are there a whole original conception was like this is your per like i i don't know you know they're they're there i've heard that word so much to justify like all kinds of fucked up shit and it's like oh like these think tanks and it's right like, what are you actually talking well, about it sounds like the think tank uh, the think tanks exist to influence policy okay because the think tanks isn't that the have, people's job no no that's not <laughs> like, or shouldn't it be the people's job no, so do you no, want no. the official uh, the official <laughs> definition of the think tank yeah please a group or institution organized for extensive research of and solving of problems especially in the areas of technology social or political strategy or armament a group of people who collectively perform research and develop reports and mm. recommendations on topics relating to strategic planning or public policy and which is usually funded by a corporation government or special interests a company that does research for hire and issues reports on the implications so those are the three different different definitions of think tank the implications <laughs> so now that we have a clear definition um so there's that all right um let's see here uh philip breedlove i'm sure no relation to don breedlove the gas conversion installer from kurt vonnegut's breakfast of champions who was raping <laughs> let how it all comes back to kurt anyway Philip Breedlove serves on the board of advisors for the Center for a New American Security, a hawkish liberal think tank. Think about that. A hawkish. hawkish liberal think tank that has been used to staff Democratic administrations, including this one. Besides the Pentagon, Northrop Grumman is CNAS's top donor with Raytheon, Palantir, BAE, Boeing, Bose Allen, Lockheed Martin, and General Dynamics in the lower tiers of contributors. Do you see where the Jacobin gets it right once in a while? This is the once in a while. So we're reading from it. We're yeah. learning from it. This is fucked. These people will sacrifice millions of crispy lives. <laughs> vaporized lives. Eisenhower called it 70 years ago. Yeah. Like <laughs> no good, you guys. This is... This is like the, the fox is in the hen house and he's literally eating and raping every chicken he can find. Like it's over. These people are in charge. Like, I mean, it's bad news. And the only good thing that can happen is like, listen, hopefully the Red Army, because that's what they are. I'm going to call them the Red Army from now on. <laughs> hopefully the Red Army gets ground into dust and I'm watching it happen. Like, again, if you follow Popular Front on Insta, you'll see how the, the ukrainians are really fucking sticking to it like i mean they are really fighting hard like hell but it's hard to take a side when you have so many monsters who have hands in the cookie jar like it's really bad news it's and if it's not this it's just gonna be whatever the fucking next conflict is like it's just gonna keep going and going and going and going and it's just like uh like what do you do yeah i i Great question. Like, assuming we make it past this one, and that's like, I guess, a pretty big if, but like sooner or later, you know, like the end of the line. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the end of the line. My goodness. <laughs> like, like you have to laugh at this stuff because there's no other choice, right? No, I don't like crying that much. I like laughing more. Like <laughs> it's it's far better for the soul. It truly is. And Again, we'll see what happens. I'm not optimistic, but at the same time, every day I wake up at you know 5:30 and take my dog out. I'm like, well, didn't get nuked overnight. 
This is a plus. Yeah. You know, so uh, moving on from that. So the, the, again, this will be in the show notes for you to uh, take a look at. So there are some very uh, nefarious actors who were advocating for a no fly zone because the war machine must be fed. Um, fresh corpses of crispy children and your relatives like go to the addendum. If you guys haven't listened to it, I did an addendum uh, by myself when I talk about what happens in, uh, you know, when, when nuclear weapons fly and uh, the results afterwards. And if you like, you know, watching other people's children, perhaps relatives of yours die from all sorts of, um, you know, uh, wonderful cancers because of radio, radio, radiation poisoning, radiation exposure. We're talking about leukemias and stuff. Like, go ahead, root for it. I mean, it's like I said, Mr. Graham in 2000. Oh, no, Jesus Christ, not 2000, 1997. Don't even say it, Brian. I know how old you were. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't thinking of it. I was. <laughs> uh, Brian was one. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, Brian it was, was one. It was baby Brian. It was baby uh, Brian. I was uh, a 17 year old uh, who smoked up before class and thought he was smart but i remember mr graham asking us that question what do you do in the event of a nuclear war and everybody had cute answers and he told us he goes no you catch the bomb and we all kind of sit, sat there for a minute and i'm like oh and he goes yeah you won't feel a thing he goes you don't want to be here afterwards he goes you do not want to be here after the bombs fly you don't mine shafts baby oh, you know life imitating art i guess i don't know yeah. Next article. This is another. Now, the Jacobin got this one really, really wrong, and we're going to talk about it because while I hate to give them praise, it's like ashes in my mouth. We are going to cover something that's really, really retarded from the Jacobin. This one written by Edward Ong Woso Jr. and Jacob Silverman. Crypto. <laughs> Because I th every time I see like a name like that, I think of Saul Rosenberg from the Jerky Boys. My glasses. Uh, <laughs> crypto is making everything worse. There's a lot of breathless chatter out there about how cryptocurrency will reshape the world. But the truth about crypto is simple. Capitalists are using it to get rich and screw the rest of us. <laughs> God damn it. Nothing like there's no kind of warfare like class warfare. Oh. Are you sick of hearing about cryptocurrency yet? Don't worry. We are, too. But it's important to set the record straight about what exactly crypto does and does not do. Given the endless stream of overblown claims about its liberating power and the immense amounts of money involved, strip away the hype. And it's clear that crypto is just another speculative asset that means big profits for a few and a pain and pain for the many. In, recent inter in a recent interview on The Dig, a Jacobin radio podcast, I don't know anybody that listens, host Daniel Denver spoke with Edward Ongweso Jr., a tech reporter at Vice Motherboard. Oh, well, <laughs> this explains everything. Vice Motherboard and a co-host of the podcast, This Machine Kills. It doesn't kill, trust me. That guy's not killing anybody. Uh, and Jacob Silverman, a writer at The New Republic, another rag. Together, they answered the question of why cryptocurrency holds so much appeal despite its crassly profiteering nature. The transcript has been edited for length and clarity. You can listen to the whole interview there or, you know, they say a simple way to look at cryptocurrency is, is a digital token that in some cases is just a storehouse 
of value and in some other cases used in some really complicated schemes surrounding digital assets or projects. But essentially, it is just like a digital token that in one way or another is supposed to have value somehow. It is, it's, it's not a currency, what it is and, wh and what does it value sometimes is quite a bit of value. It's mostly a tool of speculation. Here's where we get the ideas of irrational exuberance and what defines value and even collective hallucinations. But I think the main use of case for cryptocurrencies for market speculation and creating complex and potentially economically dangerous financial instruments that are not that different from credit default swaps. In terms of productive value, I would say there is none. The main value of cryptocurrency is a tool for speculation. People are trying to get rich. We have covered this before. And while we may not understand crypto all the way, what we do know is that the government doesn't like it because you can't really trace it as easy as you can trace other transactions. I think that that was the point. Sal the Agorist, who has been on this show numerous times, says it's not about getting rich. It's about getting free. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now to Angel's point where she's like, you know, at the end of the day, all, all currency is fiat. And I, and I do have to agree with her to a great extent. That's like, I don't get bent out of shape over this stuff, whether it's paper dollars or whatever the fuck it is. Rubles. I mean, look at the poor ruble. What is it? One cent? It's worth one cent. Oh, I thought it was even that's, less than that for a minute. That's oh, wow. crazy. That's yeah, no, really? it's one yeah. cent, huh? There's a guy that, uh, that I follow that's, um, his, his name is Roman. And um, he has a YouTube channel. He was showing the bank lines in St. Petersburg because he wanted to withdraw money in dollars. At first, you weren't allowed to take out more than 10,000 U.S. dollars. Mm -hmm. Then the Russian banks changed their minds and said, now it's only 5,000 that oh, you can yeah. withdraw. Yeah, no, no, At a time or period? Period. Like he, like, and then the lines are four and a half, five hours long, just standing there waiting to get into the bank. Um, and I feel for him because all he ever did was talk about different stuff to do in Russia and like, yeah. you know, like eating American fast food in Russia and the differences between like, he's just a cool dude and he's a pacifist. Like it's again, the common people, regular people pay the bill for the assholes in charge. You know what I mean? These, and I don't see, here's the other thing too. A, a friend of mine had, a, and I had a conversation and we disagree on this is like, well, you know, this is to give, you know. The, the pressure on Russian on the Russian people is to push so that they make a change. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to try to make a change and they're going to get shot to death. See that that's not how this works. They don't even have, they're not protected to assemble or anything over there. No. It's not like, no, they're going to prison. They're like, right. Those fucking, it's not good. No, I think like 40% of the people get tuberculosis. Like it's fucking insane. Dude, there isn't even like the veil of civil rights there. Like we have the veil of it, and to an extent, uh, comparatively, it's it's demonstrably better here than there when it comes to freedom of speech. It's not comparable. I'm not making that assertion that like it could be way better here, but it definitely ain't as bad, you know, like there here that it is there or saying like communist China or fucking North Korea. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. there's there's levels of 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 shittiness. Well, you know, things can be shitty, but they're not that shitty. Okay, that those people have it way worse, right? So, and again, the common people are the ones, but like, I disagree. Here's the thing. Then they tried to say, you, what did Alex Jones say? He's like, you, you know, you're, you know, you're over the target when you're getting flack. When you're, when you're getting flack, you're, you're over the target. I'll never forget that. And he said that because I'm like, God damn, he's so cool. I love Alex. Anyway, um, we're over the, they're over the, crypto's over the target because they're, they've been getting flack for a while, right? Remember it was, oh, 
well, uh, crypto is bad for the environment because look at all the damage it does just to generate. And it's like, you have any idea how much the petrodollar has done damage? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a terrible comparison. If you're going to make one, make a cogent one, make a decent one that this is not it. Um, this article continues. There are interesting projects that come as a result of the things that people believe they have to do when they are organizing off of cryptocurrency or cryptocurrency backed platforms. But cryptocurrency in itself, I can't see it as a currency, even in a generous framing for its speculators. And it is used largely to speculate or to facilitate the movement of funds from one pocket to another, whether that is increasingly just to pump up self dealing assets or exchanges or whether that's to pump and dump various coins and tokens. I've been surprised from the beginning uh, of getting involved in reporting on crypto and joining crypto groups and chats about how regular the invites to pump and dump groups are and how many different types of pump and dump groups exist. Pump and dump meant something very different to me when I was younger. I, I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there are ones that seem like functional schemes where it's like we are transparent about what we are going to pump and where we're going to dump and how much money everyone gets out of it. Here's a little nice spreadsheet for us to figure it all out, end quote. There are, also, there are others that are chaotic, but generally speaking, it is speculative with really extravagant and complex ways no to be so. No more spreadsheets. There's also rug pull is uh, when the leader of a project just disappears and runs off with all the money, which happens pretty frequently, especially with non fungible tokens, NFTs or anything style as a community that needs an individual investment from people. Our friend uh, Full Metal Magdalene is making a killing in NFTs, and I hope she continues to do so. I'm very proud of her every time I see her at events uh, in Vegas and doing stuff and uh, she's making money and um, Ethereum or whatever. Her. Good for her. I hope. Yeah. I hope I hope that she continues to be successful. I'm very proud of her. She deserves it. She's a talented artist. And listen, isn't this more about what the market wants and what people are willing to do more than anything else? Like even if they don't understand crypto, but they, if like, and that's the thing too is like I, I think that there's a general misunderstanding of what it is. Like they're seeing it from one angle. You know, they're not seeing it from what Sal has told us about what, why cryptocurrency is important. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I do. I don't focus as much on it. And again, maybe it's because I'm veering off of the quote agorist farm or whatever it is. And that's fine. I, I'm all for like you can use anything as a currency if there's a supply and fucking demand is real. Right. OK. In a post apocalyptic after thermonuclear Holocaust world, mm -hmm. which went from highly unlikely to just unlikely. OK, which is a huge jump, mm -hmm. by the way. Um. What can be used as currency? Bullets. That's not crypto, and that's not fiat. It's like I have a, a, a box of fifty cartridges. What do you have over there that you want to trade? You know what I mean? There's all depending on what your needs are, you know, and what your goals are, or what you you know what you're willing to pay. Right. Currency could just be a, you know almost anything. Yeah. Food becomes currency. Canned goods becomes currency. In the fucking clink, cigarettes were currency. You know what I mean? I, they still are. I, I have everything that I've read. I've not been. But. I, I have not been either, but I believe it. Because, again, it's all what you have to work with. Mm -hmm. But this focus on – because these people would still want you to invest in dollars, which are based on nothing except you know the promise that you can fulfill the – even though they're really worthless right now. Not as bad as Russia, but they're getting there. So – 
Anyway, you could continue to read on how the Jacobin feels well, that I, this is a capitalist ploy. There, there is uh, a section in this article that I have to point out um, that, like, I find very, I don't know, hypocritical. I don't know, confusing. Let's have Like, it. just the way that it's written, I don't like the way that it's written. Okay. Um, it says, also, there are first order issues that we don't always talk about when we are critiquing cryptocurrency. Frankly, I think that currency needs to be tied to the state or some kind of political governance. As much as I have a problem with the state and the state control over things, I think private money becomes a real problem. Of course. So we certainly had a lot of it in the 19th century with Confederate bonds and rich people pointing to their printing their own private forms of money. So there are always ways in which some of the initial conditions of this technology and how it will be deployed mm -hmm. are almost a non-starter. Okay, so that whole paragraph, mm -hmm. I don't like it. <laughs> okay, okay. I, it's 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 contradictory, and it's like I I want the government to be involved, but I don't like the government. But you know. I don't like you to. It's like the minarchists. They're like, yeah. oh, only the important stuff. Like, <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't. Yes. I don't think private money is good. Well, okay. I earn the money from my job. It's still my fucking money. It's not your money. That's my money. Yeah. No, that's why you pay taxes. It becomes our money. Right. Well, the taxes <laughs> that they steal from me—that's, I guess, that's our money. But it's not really our. Yeah. Money. Like other people no, just fucking use it. No, I, I I get it. I under I listen. I understand what you're saying. That's why the Jacobin is a rag. I mean, we gave them a day in the sun when they got something right, and then we shit on them when they are, you know. Even still, that other article, retards. the phrasing, and and everybody knows that. Like, once you implement a no fly zone, bad shit is happening. Yeah, I agree. You and, know? and they agree too. They they do agree as well. So. I mean, it's like if it's not war, it's a precursor for war, or it's you know something along those lines like but war is already happening so well it's the amount like i guess um i don't, I don't know. yeah what it's it, just retarded i uh, i forgot to cover this last week and uh as you know christopher's not here today uh he had uh some family obligations that he had to see to um i wish he would be here to, uh, to to talk about this i forgot to talk about it last week so i've got two interesting stories that are non-political here before we finish, and I sent this to the group real quick. I totally forgot to cover it. Um, this is a very interesting one, and this is um, from The Sun, um, from Ellie Cambridge. This is a very interesting article, and it says, Last Wish, first ever recording of the moment someone dies reveals what our last thoughts might be. And this is uh, from February 22nd of this year. The first ever recording of a dying brain has revealed we might relive some of our best memories in our last moments. Scientists accidentally captured our most complex organ as it shut down, showing an astonishing snapshot into death. A patient was being treated for epilepsy, hooked up to an electro, what is the, an EEG? It's, yeah, right. electro, electroencephalography or something. It's like, okay. I, oh. I'm not reading the page right now. I don't have Okay. The I'm e guessing. Okay. No, you're right. It's uh, electroencephalogram. Okay. Yeah. This is not my particular area of expertise. Uh, the 87-year-old man's brain's activity uh, was being measured when he suddenly had a heart attack and died. This meant the 15 minutes around his death was recorded on the EEG. In the 30 seconds 
either side of the patient's final heartbeat, an increase in very specific brain waves were spotted. These waves, known as gamma oscillations, are linked to things like memory retrieval, meditation, and dreaming. This could mean, although many more studies would need to take place, we might see a, a sort of film reel of our best memories. Or we could enter a peaceful dreamlike state in our final moments that had a, has a response in our brain akin to meditation. As our bodies shut down, our brains could still be working hard in a concerted effort to deliver its final task. Dr. Ajmal Zamar, a neurosurgeon at the University of Louisville Zamar, why did they put Louisville Zamar? It's named after him. It's just they probably made an error. The University of Louisville, who organized the study, said though uh through generation uh, generating oscillations involved in memory retrieval the brain may be playing a last recall of important life events just before we die similar to the ones reported in near-death experiences these findings challenge our understanding of when exactly life ends and generates important subsequent questions such as those related to the timing of organ donation Similar brain waves have cha similar brainwave changes have been seen in rats at the time of death, but never in humans before. The study published in Frontiers in Aging and Neuroscience said our data provide the first evidence from the dying human brain in a non-experimental real-life acute care clinical setting and advocate that the human brain may possess the capability to generate, to generate coordinated activity during near-death period. This is just one single case study with a brain that had already been injured due to the epilepsy, but might pave the way for a greater understanding about what happens to us when we die. But Dr. Zamar added, something we may learn from this research is, although our loved one have their eyes closed and are ready to leave us to rest, their brains may be replaying some of the nicest moments they experienced in their lives. Last year, we shared what happens to your body after you die. Discussing the dying, discussing dying is a taboo subject, but knowing what the biological elements are and why they happen can make it less scary. Well, you know what, man? I mean, it could be worse. It could be your worst memories, like, you know, the time, like, you know, you found out your wife was fucking the boss or like, you know, the time that, you know, you know, you had, you had to say goodbye to your pet or something like that. I hope they're good memories. I've heard people say, like people who are, you know, checking out, that they'll be talking to the pets that they had throughout their lives, which I guess is why people think like, you know, oh, you know, there's a heaven and the pets are there and all that stuff. You know, I, I don't believe that. I wish it were true. Um, but maybe that's like evolution's way of easing the transition to the void is, you know, making it a little bit less scary for you if if that's how it's going to happen, which doesn't sound so bad, actually. I mean, if it could, like I said, it could be worse, you know, it could be far worse. So maybe that's something that the brain has evolved. Like the, the article says, like a final task is you're making that uh, big trip into the big nothing to make it to ease your transition into that. I mean, it doesn't, like I said, I hope it's true. I mean, that would be pretty great. I'd probably have a lot of uh, memories of like, you know, pets and, you know, going to hockey games and hanging out with my friends and all that good stuff and my family and whatnot. I mean, it doesn't sound so bad. I mean, it's the last time you're ever going to see it and you won't even remember seeing it because you won't have a memory anymore. So again, if that's how the credits roll, I'd say it's a pretty decent film. So I found that that very, very interesting. I really hope that they're able to make, this is the kind of science that I like to, to read about because I think this shit's important. You know, that's really something very cool that you know maybe a little bit um a little bit a glimmer of hope um i mean hopefully they're around to do the studying um hopefully they'll have more opportunities to continue this research 
and not, um, you know, be incinerated in a thermonuclear war that is now hanging over our heads every day. How exciting. Uh, moving on from that, this one is great. So did you hear, now I'm not going to pay the dollar to read the New York fucking Times, <laughs> but Shackleton's ship has been found. The, what You guys know who Ernest Shackleton is? Yes. Okay. The Antarctic expedition. That's correct. And they got st- the endurance got stuck in the ice and sank and they were forced. Like it was the worst expedition ever. Like they had the worst time of it ever. They found his ship. I mean, it is, I think it's fantastic that like, cause I, you know, the whole adventure, you know, it, it's, it, there's, I know that there's, um, there, the, you know, like he wrote a book about the whole thing and I haven't read it yet. I mean, I've read a lot of things, but I haven't read it yet. Um, but uh, this is a really it's a really cool you know, moment for for history or what have you. I mean, it's, it's very cool. So all, let's let's take a look at this article. The stunning survival story of Ernest Shackleton and his endurance crew. The discovery of his ship at the bottom of Antarctica's Weddell Sea recalls a grueling expedition when men endured entrapment, hunger, frigid weather, angry seas and near madness. All year, the ship had been trapped, ice pushing and pinching the hull, the wood howling in protest. Finally, on October 27, 1915, a new wave of pressure rippled across the ice, lifting the ship's stern and tearing off its rudder and keel. Freezing water began to rush in. She's going, boys, came the cry. It's time to get off. (laughs) From the moment Ernest Shackleton and his crew aboard the British expedition ship HMS Endurance had become immobilized in Antarctica's ice 10 months earlier, they had been preparing for this moment. Now those on board removed their last remaining belongings from the ship and set up camp on the ice. 25 days later, what remained of the wreck convulsed once more and the endurance disappeared beneath the ice. Incredibly, all 27 men under Shackleton's command would survive the grueling Antarctic expedition, but their ship remained sunk and lost to history until 106 years later. On March 9th of this year, a team of scientists and adventurers announced they had finally located what remained of the endurance at the bottom of Antarctica's Weddell Sea. The team made the discovery using submersibles and undersea drones and released stunning photos of the long-lost wooden ship which at, where it had lodged in the seabed nearly 10,000 feet deep in clear, icy waters. Endurance had left South Georgia for Antarctica on December 5, 1914, carrying 27 men plus one stowaway who became the ship's steward. Imagine that guy's fucking luck. 69 dogs, nice, and a tomcat erroneously dubbed Mrs. Chippy. The goal of expedition leader Shackleton, who had... <laughs> Mrs. Chippy? Mrs. Chippy. (laughs) Not Mississippi. Mrs. Chippy. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The goal of the expedition leader Shackleton, who had twice fallen short, once agonizingly so, of reaching the South Pole was to establish a base on Antarctica's Weddell Sea coast. From there, a small party, including himself, would set out on the first crossing of the continent, ultimately arriving at the Ross Sea, south of New Zealand, where another group would be waiting for them, having laid depots of food and fuel along the way. Two days after leaving South Georgia, Endurance entered the pack ice to the barrier of thick sea, uh, sea ice that stands guard around the Antarctic continent. For several weeks, the ship poked and prodded its way through uh, uh, leads in the ice, gingerly making its way to the south. But on January 18th, a northerly gale pressed the pack hard against the land and pushed the flows tight against each, each other. Suddenly, there was no way forward and no way back. Endurance was beset. 
In other words, in one of the words of the crew, Thomas Ord Lee's frozen like an almond in the middle of a chocolate bar. What a way to put it, huh? I mean, I would have been like, we're fucked. <laughs> Forget the, <laughs> the chocolate and the almond, whatever. <laughs> Man was hungry. I guess so. That's a long way from home. Uh, Shackleton wrote Alexander Macklin, one of the ship's uh, surgeons, did not rage at all or show outwardly the slightest sign of disappointment. He holds us simply and calmly that we must winter in the pack, explained its dangers and possibilities, and never lost his optimism and prepared for winter in private. However, he revealed greater foreboding, quietly expressing to the ship's captain, Frank Worsley, one winter's night, Frank, of course it's a Frank. The ship can't live in this skipper. It may be a few months and it may only be a question of weeks or even days, but what the ice gets, the ice keeps. What a, what a thing to say. In the time that passed between abandoning endurance and watching the ice swallowed up completely, the crew salvaged as many provisions as they could while sacrificing anything and everything that, could be ad that added weight or would consume valuable resources, including Bibles, books, clothing, tools, and keepsakes for some of the younger dogs too small to pull their weight were shot as were, to the chagrin of many, the unfortunate Mrs. Chippy. Mrs. Chippy did not make it. The initial plan was to march across the ice towards land, but that was abandoned after the men managed to seven and a half miles in seven days. There was no alternative, wrote Shackleton, but to camp once more on the flow and to possess our souls with what patience we could till, we could till conditions should appear more favorable for the renewal of the attempt to escape and slowly and steadily, the ice drifted further and farther north. And on April 7th, 1916, the snow-capped peaks of Clarence and Elephant Islands came into view, flooding them with hope. The flow had been good to us, wrote Shackleton in his diary, but is reaching the end of his journey and liable at any time now to break up. On April 9th, it did just that, splitting beneath them with an almighty crack. Shackleton gave the order to break camp and launch the boats at all at once. They were finally free from the ice and had alternatively bedeviled and supported them. Now they had a new foe to contend with the open ocean. It threw freezing sprays in their face and tossed frigid water over them, and it battled the boats from side to side, batted the boats from side to side, and brought the brave men to the fetal position as they battled the elements and seasickness. Through all of it, Captain Worsley navigated through the spray and the squalls until after six days at sea, Clarence and Elephant Islands appeared just 30 miles ahead. The men were exhausted. Worsley by, had by that stage not slept for 80 hours. And some were crippled by seasickness. Others were racked with dysentery. Frank Wilde, the, Sha the Shackleton second in command, wrote that at least half the party were insane. Yet they rode resolutely towards their goal. And on April 15th, they clambered ashore on Elephant Island. It was the first time they had been on dry land since leaving South Georgia 497 days previously. But the ordeal was far from over. The likelihood of anybody coming across them was vanishingly small. And so after nine days of recuperation and preparation, Shackleton, Worsley, and four others set out in one of the lifeboats James cared to seek help from a whaling station on South Georgia more than 800 miles away. For 16 days, they battled monstrous swells and the angry winds bailing water out of the boat and beating ice off the sails. The boat tossed intermittently on the big waves until gray threatening skies, under th gray threatening skies, excuse me, recorded Shackleton. Every surge of the sea was an enemy to be watched and circumvented. Even as they were within touching distance of their goal, the elements hurled their worst at them. The wind simply shrieked as it tore the tops off the waves. Shackleton wrote down into the valleys, up to tossing heights, straining until the until her seams opened swung our little boat the next day the wind eased and they made off the shore 
Help was almost at hand, but this too was not the end. The storms had pushed the James Caird off course, and they had landed on the other side of the island from the whaling station. And so Shackleton, Worsley, and Tom Crean set off to reach it by foot climbing over mountains and sliding down glaciers, forging a path that no human being had ever forked before until oh, after 36 fuck. hours. I know. Desperate hiking, they staggered into the station at Stromness. <laughs> it gets better. It gets it gets better. Wait. All right. <laughs> this is like the fucking forgotten soldier, dude. It's yeah. just like, oh, you thought it was the end, but wait, there's more. And it's like, oh, it's gonna get worse. Like, holy shit. Like there was no conceivable circumstance under which the three strangers could possibly appear from nor- nowhere at the whaling station, and certainly not from the direction of the mountains. And yet they here they were, their hair be and their hair, beards, stringy and matted, matted, excuse me, their faces blackened with soot from blubber stoves and creased from nearly two years of stress and privation. An old Norwegian whaler recorded the scene where the three men stood before the station manager, Thoralf, Thoralf Sorl. I don't know how to, Norwegian, I don't know it. The manager says, who the hell are you? And the terrible bearded man in the center of the three sits very quietly. My name is Shackleton. Me, I turn away and weep. Once the other three members of the James Carrot have been retrieved, attention turned to rescuing the 22 men remaining on Elephant Island. Yet after all they had gone before, this final task in many ways proved to be the most trying and time-consuming of them all. The, I told you. The first ship on which Shackleton set out ran dangerously low on fuel while trying to navigate the pack ice and was forced to turn back to the Falkland Islands. The government of Uruguay uh, proffered a vessel that came within 100 miles of Elephant Island before being beaten back by the ice. Each morning on Elephant Island, Frank Wilde, whom Shackleton had left in charge, issued the call for everyone to lash up and stow their belongings. The boss may come today, he declared daily. His companions grew increasingly dispirited and doubtful. Eagerly on the lookout for the relief ship, recorded Macklin on August 16, 1916, some of the party had quite given up quietly given up hope for uh, on anyone coming. Ord Lays was clearly one of them. There is no good in deceiving ourselves any longer, he wrote. But Shackleton procured a third ship, the Yelcho from Chile, and finally on August 30th, 1916, the saga of the Endurance and its crew came to an end. The men on the island were settling down to a lunch of boiled seal's backbone when they spied the Yelcho off the coast. It had been 128 days since James Caird had left. Uh, the James cared. That's the boat. Within an hour of the Yelcho appearing, all ashore had broken camp, and the El- and Elephant Island was behind. Twenty months after setting out for the Antarctic, everyone on the Endurance crew was alive and safe. Holy shit! While Shackleton's crew miraculously made it back to England, his ship did not. Obviously, for more than a century, the Endurance remained among history's most elusive shipwrecks. But in 2022, an international team of marine archaeologists, explorers, and scientists located the Endurance at the bottom of the Weddell Sea, approximately four miles from the position originally recorded where the Endurance sank. We have made polar history with this discovery of Endurance and successfully completed the world's most challenging shipwreck search, said John Shears, the leader of the Endurance 22, the expedition team that used submersibles and drones to locate the wooden ship. So, that... uh, that's why it's called like one of the most amazing stories ever told, right? Because I mean, you know, like you said, just wait, there's more. And God damn. Um, 
Yeah, uh, Shackleton's like he wrote a book and um, he, uh, you know, recording the entire experience. So um, that's really cool that they found it. Very cool. Um, uh, yeah, that's I, that's why I don't like to leave Ohio. I mean, we are we have Lake Erie in the snow and stuff, and that's enough for me. You know, that's that's enough for me. I'm good with it. Um, but um, plus, you got the thing down there in Antarctica, man. Like. <laughs> You know, man, like <laughs> that's like science fiction cold, right? That's that's unworldly cold. Like you just got done reading the Forgotten Soldier when they're in Ukraine. Yeah. And like it's so cold that the bark is cracking off the trees. That's fucking insane. That's I, like cold. I don't know why I expected it to get like better at the end of the book, but it's that is probably the most tragic book I have ever read in my entire life. Yeah, it's really and he gets home. And like his his mom walks right past him, like doesn't even know who the fuck he is, and it's just like off. And that's not even like the worst part. It gets so much worse, and it's just like holy shit! Like, how the fuck does this guy like? How does he do it? Like, how do you live after all of that? Like, how do you be yeah. a person? How are you expected to function? Yeah, or like when they're in um in East Prussia, and the baby's being born in the rubble of a house. Yeah. Like, no, it's just wild shit. And everybody, and he was, he literally was like, if that baby is fortunate, like he won't make it to 20 or something. Like that was just the attitude yeah. that everybody had. Like, it's so fucked up as the world ends around you. Yeah. That book, I recommend it to everybody. Like I, I sincerely hope that people read it Ugh. again. It's, it's I, I, like, I've read it several times and at least 10 times and it still hits just as hard as the first time i read it even though i know what's coming um and then like i have the audiobook but you know the actual book you it starts to paint pictures in your mind of what things look like like he's in this like old sawmill and you're dealing with shadows and partisans and the flash of rifle barrels and it's just it's so intense and then of course being in trench work while the red army is coming at you and the ground is shaking because the fucking tanks are coming and it's just wild shit, man. It's, um, yeah, that, no thanks. that book is insane. So, um, that's all I have for this week. Again, uh, I'd like to thank our patrons. And of course, um, I'd like to, uh, thank, uh, agorasnexus.com, a premier sponsor of the use guys in that podcast. Of course, I'd like to thank team Mandalore who does keep cycling very weird. Ray Faba, fine art and design from the Great Lakes. And of course, I paint accurate while accidents are happy accidents. But before I carry on to the Grand uh, Pièce de Résistance, I'd like to ask the crew if they have anything else they'd like to talk about. Angel, do you have anything? You've been quite quiet today. Uh, no, I don't have anything. I'm just, you know, excited for the, the Patreon. And we just did one um, and it was released, as, you know, Jay stated. And, um, I'm sure we'll have another one coming up soon and hopefully um, Brian can be on the next Patreon because he's not been on the past couple. So looking forward to that. Yeah, okay. me too. Uh, there should be a bonus episode at some point in time. That's all I'm going to say. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Um, <laughs> hey, the, the patrons know more than, than everybody else because I did have to. Uh, I, we, we did talk a little bit about what was going on. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Brian, do you have anything else before we wrap up? No, it's uh, it's good to be back. I'm happy to be with you all, and I look forward to doing more episodes in the future. I'm very very excited. Excellent. Well, it's very glad. I'm we're glad to have you back. It's uh, it's it's very nice. We miss Christopher today, but um, family comes first. Period, and that's yep. the end of that. So, 
Um, I don't have anything cute to say other than, ladies and gentlemen, um, the Ides of March are approaching, but so is St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and while the luck of the Irish may not be with you, you can't consider yourself very lucky if your asshole isn't clean. You won't be getting very lucky if your asshole isn't very clean. Not at all. So in the good words, it's good St. Patrick. Please wash your asshole with Todd's gay soap. Even he knew back then the importance of having a clean asshole. And while he lived a Christian monk's lifestyle, you don't have to do any of that. You can fucking suck and do all the fun things that he never was able to do. And, and he would appreciate it because he'd Saint, want you to. Yeah. Yes, St. Patrick would want you to have fun because um, life is short and you should enjoy Arby's and you should wash your asshole with Todd's very gay soap from AkronApothecary.com. I just spoke to Todd today. And while I had to decline an invitation for dinner because I am booked solid this weekend, he did confirm that he does have all manner of soap prepared to wash your ass cold press homemade gay soap from gay hands to your gentle ass for the dung ditch the fat folds the sweats all of that stuff if you want to get lucky on saint patrick's day this is certainly one way to increase your odds and chances of getting lucky with that special someone or someones perhaps you're looking to tie it on real nice with the wife your wife is not going to want to get down and dirty in the dung ditch if it stinks and smells like shit. My friend Todd can fix all of those problems because Todd's gay soap is soap for that ass. I don't have Christopher's machine, so I can't do the Barry White voice, so you have to forgive us. So that's all we have. Please check out the Patreon. Don't forget to like and subscribe and hit the bell button on the YouTube videos. And don't. And if you haven't subscribed to the fucking YouTube channel, would you please do that for Christ? Just do it already. God damn. We're trying to have fun here. We're trying. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. But um, I genuinely appreciate everybody. Thank you very much for listening. And if you have any suggestions, use guys in that at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you later. Yep. Bye. Bye.